Welcome to the 3 o'clock app session. You guys ready for this? Yes! All right, good. My name is Greg. My wife uh, is Kirsten. She's not here. She's with our little ones, but we're so excited uh, just to be able to be here. We're uh, with ARC. We learned about ARC a couple years ago at the church that we were working at for about 18 years. Our church, our pastor just started giving to ARC. Little did I know, just him starting to give to ARC got us this open door, and two years later, we're uh, planning an ARC church in uh, Helena, Montana. So we're one year old, just last two Sundays ago, and that's where we got connected over here with uh, Danny and Jamie Schultz, who will be uh, leading the, the app session today. Uh, they were assigned as our coach, uh, as our coaches. They're in Spokane Valley in, in the Pacific Northwest, Washington. They planted in 2015 in ARC church. And uh, they're doing some amazing things. And one of the a few of the words that I would just describe Danny for you as I turn it over to him is just, man, super encouraging, a great listener, incredibly positive. I, I threw every question you could ever imagine in our pre-launch and even in the year that we've been going. I just keep throwing questions at him, and, and, and he just keeps encouraging me and lifting me and helping me be a better a pastor and planter, and so I'm really excited to sit in with you guys today on uh, learning about teams and, and the culture of our teams and making our, our teams better. So here's Danny and Jamie. Let's welcome Ooh, that's them. That's awesome, Greg. Oh, it's so nice of you, Greg. We'll give you your 20 bucks later. <laughs> Man, you guys came to the 3 o'clock app session. That means you're just hungry to grow your churches, your teams, and um, I was thinking about making us do jumping jacks or something. You guys a little, little tired. How many of you guys have got something out of the conference? It's been, uh, been amazing. We just so love being a part of ARC. Um, I might stand a little bit just to keep things exciting. Um, maybe in front of the TV. Um, so our story is that uh, we were youth pastors, worship pastors for eight years before we got connected with ARC. And uh, we went through the ARC journey, launched a church with ARC in 2015 in Spokane, Washington. And at that time, there was a couple churches up in the Northwest, uh, but not, not that many. And we would look at the ARC, ARC map and there was just tons of them in the South. And our biggest question was, would, would this kind of church planting model work in the West and especially yeah. the Pacific Northwest where there's um, just very, uh, there's just a lot of resistance to church and God and Christianity and not a lot of interest. Um, in Spokane, 86% of the population has no religious affiliation and isn't interested in church at all. Um, so there's, there's not that many people that are looking for a great church. So we got to go out and get them and find them. Uh, but what we found was that the ARC principles and that what we learned through our training just worked very well, even in Washington State. Right. And uh, had a blast. We launched with about 400 people on our launch Sunday and then uh, have grown from there. And then just about a year ago, we uh, had an opportunity where there was a, a church in town that was in decline and kind of running out of gas and had, had been a congregation in the city for 37 years we're just running out of their life cycle and had a big, beautiful building right in the middle of our, our city, our part of town. And we did a church merger, brought the two churches together. We received the building and the congregation, and there's this whole new life that's taking place in them. So um, if you ever get into a situation where there's a merger conversation, which is happening more and more in churches all across America, um, we've got a journey with that, and we would just love to help anybody through that. Um, when we were going through, we got on the phone with Ark and said, put me on the phone with two or three pastors that have done mergers. And they did. Within a couple of days, yeah. we were talking to guys in Texas and Kentucky and Florida who had 
gone through church mergers. Ours was with a denomination and um, like a denominational church, and we were non-denominational. So it was just, there was a lot to it. And um, so anyway, that's, that's kind of our journey. Our church is uh, now regularly breaking the 600 people mark. And what we found uh, in the, the church growth journey is that the biggest challenges that we face are always leadership challenges. And I don't know if you've, you've ever thought this through or, or faced it much, but every time I go to a pastor's gathering, maybe it's a local thing or an ARC thing or whatever, um, the, the conversation you know, that usually gets brought up is, what's your biggest challenge right now, bro? You know, you're around the table. Tell me what you're struggling. What's the biggest challenge? And like nine times out of 10, the answer is leadership, staffing, I need more volunteers. I need leaders. And I actually started to develop this conviction that every challenge that you'll ever face is actually a leadership challenge. Yeah. yeah. So apart from you, which is, a, I guess, a leadership challenge in some, some ways and the things that we've been talking about even this morning with pain and those things, like you've got personal issues as a pastor that you want to make sure and stay healthy. Uh, but beyond that, all the other challenges that you face, whether that would be property challenges or finance challenges or org chart challenges or staffing challenges, they all go back to leadership challenges because the solution for all of those things that you're facing to take your church to the next level, they're all leadership challenges. Yeah. yeah. And so as a church, we've been focusing a lot on this idea. How do we um, improve our leadership? How do we make sure and build into leaders um, and it all comes down to developing and empowering leaders to solve the challenges that God has for us. Now, we launched with ARC. How many of you guys do some form of growth track in your church? Growth track? Um, if you don't do that, man, that would be like Systems 101 for ARC churches. It's just this idea of making sure that every single Sunday there's an opportunity for somebody to connect to your church in a really obvious way. Yes. So if you launch with ARC, it's like a non-negotiable. You're running growth track from day one. Uh, but what we found in doing that, so we started uh, in January 2015, growth track from the very beginning, and it worked like crazy. People were coming, and we didn't have explosive growth, but we just had slow, consistent, steady growth. You know, 200 people, 220 people, 250 people, 275, three. We just like on this slow growth curve as we just connected two people every Sunday, three people every Sunday, four more people, like just long, slow growth. But what was happening over time is we had this very small group of people at the top of the organization, uh, lead pastor and worship production director and children's pastor and uh, first impressions coordinator. And basically the six of us are overseeing a dream team that started out with you know, 80 adults and then went to 100 adults and then went to 130 adults because growth track is just adding dream team and adding dream team and adding dream team. Yeah. It, the system's running and it's working. But all of a sudden, we're looking like the proverbial guy that goes to the gym and never does leg day, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like we've got this dream team and it's growing and growing and growing. And then the people at the top of the organization, we're just scrambling and running and like it's 55 hours a week and 65 hours a week and 70. It's just like, ah! And I don't know if we even felt that tension, but we had a system that was importing dream teamers, but we didn't have anything that was helping these dream teamers learn to become leaders. Yeah. They are great at showing up and making coffee and great at passing out worship guides and shaking hands and smiling and taking care of kids. But how do we make sure that we start to empower and release leaders through the organization? And so that's what I want to talk about today. Um, as we were 
in the journey, uh, we just kept asking the question, how can we get these dream teamers who are amazing and committed and love the vision, how can we get them to see like we see? Like when I show up to our campus and there's a piece of trash, it's like a, it's like it's flashing with neon lights or something. I'm like, oh. and you know, there's like 40, 60 dream teamers screaming everywhere. I'm like, doesn't anyone see the trash? Or do you have this guy at your church who always shows up with like a backpack on Sunday morning and sets it down like on the welcome center or whatever? Sit this here and coffee here. It's like, bro! This is not your personal locker space, you know? And I just want my, like, I, I, it blows my mind. I'm like, why am I the only one that notices the backpack sitting out and the clutter on the side and that no one vacuumed up that, you know? And I just want a team of people that see the way that I see. Yeah. And I want them to care the way that I care. And I want them to act the way that I would act, you know? You watch your greeters do crazy things. We don't kiss people on the way in. Like, stop it. Just, you know, hold on. Like, there's just so much uh, culture that you're trying to help people grab hold of and live out yeah. in your church plant world. And so we started to ask all of these questions. I want them to see like we see, care like care, do what we do, build like we build. And um, I started hearing this language in the tech space where we got this title from, Missionaries, Not Mercenaries. And uh, there was a, a guy originally, I thought I wrote his name down here, John Doerr. He's attributed to using this phrase. And this was his distinction that basically a mercenary is a hired gun. This is just somebody who's doing a job, filling a role. You know, they've kind of got onto the team in some way, but they, they're not an owner of the vision. There's no passion. Um, they're just doing a job that they've been recruited to do. And a missionary has joined a cause and they're fueled by passion for the mission. And so I started hearing them talk about this in the whole tech industry. I thought, man, that's so what I want from my dream team. I want a whole bunch of people that are fueled by passion for a mission. They're not just showing up to do a job and make the coffee and shake a hand and pass a bucket, skip row. Like, that's not what this is about. This is about reaching people with the gospel. This is about helping people get free of all of those things that have held them back. This is about helping people discover their purpose and make a difference on the earth. Like, this is who we are. Um, So we started this language and this conversation in our church. Um, So a, a mercenary, a mercenary is driven by pressure. A mercenary is driven by pressure and a missionary is driven by passion. You see this, okay? Um, a mercenary thinks in routines. What do I do every single week? What does this look like? A missionary thinks strategically. Yeah. What, what's going on in the atmosphere? Who's walking through the door that needs something different? A mercenary, um, they're on a sprint. They're just there to do the job until the job's over, and I'm moving through it as quickly as I can. A missionary is on a marathon. I'm over a long-term journey making this thing happen over, over years together. A mercenary focuses on their role, and a missionary focuses on who they're called to reach. Big difference. Yeah. A mercenary wants titles and authority. A missionary wants to coach and empower people. Yeah. A mercenary, they're focused on what's most convenient. A missionary's focused on making a contribution. And lastly, a mercenary, they're going through the motions, but a missionary is focused on making a difference. So we really just started to, you know, talk about the difference. And we started using this term around our church. We, we don't want people that are just volunteers. We want people that own the vision. And how do we create vision owners? 
Um, mercenaries, I just actually learned this in an app session yesterday. The guy was, was talking about, if you look back historically and you look at mercenary armies, uh, they're historically weak armies. Like they're the worst. They get into the middle of the battle and because their motivation comes from the paycheck that they either are getting or they already got, it's just so easy to cut and run. Whereas you get a missionary, they're fueled by that mission and that vision. They'll go through to the end because they're ready to give their life for the thing that they've signed on for. So as a leadership team, we started talking about how we don't want just servants. We want leaders. We don't want just volunteers. We want owners. And um, that's what we're, we're doing now. We're, we're transitioning from this army of dream teamers into this place where we're developing leaders and not only leaders of areas, but leaders who can lead and develop leaders. And this year we've developed a strategy on how to do that. I'm going to let Jamie take over at this part. Uh, by the way, this is our first time tag team preaching. So if we get into a fight, just bear with us. Because <laughs> it's the first time. You got to share. That's a little bit difficult. Um, yeah, so we have about... 260 people that are now part of the dream team. And so we're looking out at this crowd of people that show up, they're volunteering, they're doing an amazing job, but we're wanting to take it to that next level. How do we get these people to be owners, not just show up on a Sunday, fill a role, but they take ownership of their team. And so um, we sat down with our core team, the people who are doing most of the work, and we had to first define what is it we're trying to develop them into. Like we have to know what the end goal is before we can lead them to become it. So we have to be able to define who do we want our people to become? What does it mean to be a leader? What does it mean to be an owner at Sun City Church? And we came up with five um, different things that this is what it really means to us. And the first one would be, we want somebody that takes initiative. So, you know, people join the team because they want to be useful. You know, there's a need. I want to step in. I want to help meet that need. Or maybe they join the team. And we actually love this reason to connect with other people. We think one of the very best ways for people to get connected with church and develop meaningful relationships is get on a team. Because as you're doing something with someone else, the relationship bond, it actually goes deeper than if, if you even just like went to a small group with them. So we want people to jump on a team in order to build relationships. Or maybe, you know, they want to contribute in a meaningful way. They have an idea of, here's my gifts, here's my passion, here's my dream. So you have all these people that are joining the team for different reasons. Um, and you have to kind of get in there and, and tell them, so here's what it looks like inside of our church setting. Here's where I want you to stand. Here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to do it. But eventually you want them to grow up into this understanding of, I get it. You know, nobody has to keep telling me, here's where I stand. Here's how I open the door. Here's how we make the coffee. There's like a bigger picture understanding. I like understand what we're trying to do beyond the surface level. I get it. And in order to do that, they have to take the initiative, right? So we're trying to, we're trying to get them into this place where they're leaning in with thoughtful questions. They're leaning in to understand the why behind the what inside of it. And I was remembering, um, you know, a lady that came to us and she was passionate about all of these homeless people that were starting to come to our church. And we had, you know, a bunch of women that they were in a recovery program, a, a local ministry in our area is doing really great work. And, and they were moving through the process inside of their recovery program. And a bunch of them had started coming to church all together. And so there was this dream teamer that came to us and said, hey, I just love 
um, that there's all these women coming. Can we start an outreach where we're going and we're working every week at this local ministry? And we said, well, you know what? Here's how we do it at Sun City Church is we actually do everything through small groups. So what you should do is you should form a small group and start to minister to these ladies. And it was like she got it. And once she got it, right, she began to rally people together. Now there's like a small group that happens every single semester where what they do is they plan these big dinners for these women who are going through recovery programs. So every time they graduate from one phase and go into another phase, a whole group of people comes in and sets up a really nice dinner and takes care of the kids and gives them gifts and encourages them and just comes alongside of these women who are on their road to recovering and getting their life back. But... We're not involved in it. I've actually never been to a single one of them. I, I like see pictures sometimes. I get videos. I hear stories. But she's now in the space of she's taking the initiative and she's owning it. And that's what we want for every single person on our team is we want them to take initiative. The second thing we want them to become is we want them to become a team builder. So the dream team, it's not just a creative way to get the work done, Right. We're going to like brand it. We're going to make it fun. It's going to be like a party. But really, what you just need somebody to set out the coffee. You know, we need somebody to take out the trash, to make the bathroom look good and clean up after everyone. It's really actually the best tool that we have to disciple people. Because once again, when people get into relationships with other people, that's where discipleship happens. So we want them to get on teams. We want them to get around other people. And as they're doing that, we want their life issues to come up just naturally. Because we understand if we just get them in in a row and we're preaching to them every single Sunday, they, they hear it. They're kind of retaining some of it. Maybe they'll actually go and do a little bit of it, right? But when they get into a relationship where they're beginning to be challenged by the person next to him or the person's bugging him like, hey, you should come to this prayer gathering that we're having. There's somebody else inside of their life. That relationship is actually the biggest catalyst for change. And so we need bigger teams. We want people to gather together. We want them to connect faster. We want them to connect deeper. And we want them to get caught up on the momentum of where it is that we're going as a church. And so what we need is for every dream teamer to become a team builder. So we have, you know, a guy in our our church as he begins to get this understanding and and figure out, okay, here's what we want to do is everything we do, we want to do it around teams. One of our, um, Danny mentioned, we merged with another church and in, we went from being a mobile church to now we have a 54,000 square foot building. And that's a big change. You know, you go from like, we're setting and tearing up or setting up and tearing down inside of this school. Now we have like an acre of roof, you know, that's like insane. That's just like a lot of building. So he's, he's now in charge of keeping it clean because it's not like we all of a sudden went to the place where now we can hire all these people to clean the building. We've got to come up with some creative ways to get this, this building clean every single week. And so he just forms a team, a small group that every single week they gather together and they pray over the building as they're cleaning it. It becomes a small group. So he's doing it as a team. So instead of I'm just going and I'm doing the work or I'm trying to maybe pay someone to do the work or try to incentivize them to do the work is I'm building a team around me. We're all going to go clean the bathroom together. We're also going to pray over this building as we're doing it. And it's been amazing then to watch people come into our church community. They're looking for a place to contribute in a meaningful way. We say, hey, you should join the cleaning small group. And as they're doing that, they're also entering into this discipleship relationship. Mm -hmm. Several of the people who are, you know, they might be um, 
not have a job. You know, they're in this space of life where they're, they're trying to just like figure out what's the next step. And, and they're in crisis mode. We're like, hey, you know what? You really should join the cleaning small group because there tends to be like these people that are gathering around inside of that space. Um, that they're able to form the kind of relationships that are helping them think differently about what it is they're going through inside of the season of life and take steps to actually move forward. And so we're looking for team builders. The third thing that we're looking for is we want them to be problem solvers. <laughs> and everybody says amen, right? Oh, man, if there's anything that we want our team to do, we want them to solve the problems and not be, like, texting you while you're trying to preach, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Raising their hand from the back. You just want people that, like, hey, you know what? It's not rocket science. You can solve it. We can find another person to work in the nursery. We can, like, figure this out. And the faster that we grow, the more that we need people who are able to see problems before they even surface. Yeah. Right? We don't, we don't need people that are just in the moment. As soon as it crops up, okay, now I'm going to figure it out. We need people who are actually thinking beyond where we're at. They're looking at, like, here's what's coming. Here's what we should do now in preparation for what is going to be coming down the road. Um, we actually believe that we're better together, so we, we need to give people a place at the table to begin to bring, hey, here's, here's what I think we should be thinking about right now. We need the ideas. We need the insight. We need the solutions that come from the team. You know, we've been on this journey now of a youth team. And, and you go from, like, baby church where there's no one. And, and it's, you know, just amazing to watch. It's like every little stage you're, like, celebrating. It's like, it's like parenthood all over again. You know, you go from this infant who can't do anything to one day they're, like, toddling around. And now they're learning how to use words. And then eventually they're, like, putting those words together into sentences. And, and then there's the day, you know, they're making friends with other kids at school. And you're just like, oh, you know. And that's what it feels like as a church. Every little season you're watching this community grow up. And so we're, we've been in this season where we're watching this youth ministry begin to take place. And one of the girls comes to me a little while ago and she says, you know what I think we need? We need a way where we're communicating with all of the parents in our youth ministry. So, you know, I sit down and begin to strategize and brainstorm. It wasn't me who is coming up with that idea. Hey, we need a like system. We need a plan. We need to make sure that these parents know about events that are coming up. We need to make sure they know about the sermon series that are coming up. You know what we should be doing is we should be engaging with them so that whatever it is we're talking about inside a youth ministry, they can also be having relevant conversations with their own student at home because actually most of the hours they're spending with their kid more than our, our team is spending with their kid. Um, and so I love that she brought that conversation to the table. Now we're brainstorming it together, but she's the problem solver because she begins to see like, hey, here's something that we really need to address. Here's the fourth thing is that we need people who take responsibility. Mercenaries, they just pass the buck, right? It's not my job. <laughs> or, like, I was on first service. Somebody else is on second service, you know? I was on last week. It's not my job this week. Missionaries, they stay. They finish the job. They own it. They care about it. It's, like, ingrained into them. There's that sense of ownership for the entire church. And, man, we want that. Because when people then are owners... They're solving problems before we even hear about them. They're taking care of things that we don't, we don't know about until Monday. Like we had a, a situation not very long ago that in the middle of service, there was um, a, a local ministry that had 
come by and they just, they decided to paper all the cars in the parking lot while we were having service. And I think somebody maybe green-lighted it that shouldn't have maybe green-lighted it. But, you know, at any rate, they, f- they find out that all of these cars are being papered with this this propaganda for whatever it is that they were all about. And it wasn't the worst thing in the world, but it, it also wasn't us. We had no idea. We never even heard about this till Monday. The person who was over first impressions got a team together, went out, removed all of those flyers before anybody ever came out to their car and nobody even knew that it took place you know there's a select few that even knew that that happened it's because somebody took responsibility hey this is our church this is who we are this is what we're about that that isn't what we're about the fifth thing that we're looking for is we're looking for people who are self-motivated learners I think especially when you start a church um, from scratch you know you get all these people who are just willing I just want to be involved. I want to help. I want to do something that great hearts, right? Not always great skills, you know? <laughs> I, I end up, what I do for the church is um, I co-lead alongside with Danny, but I'm really involved in the communications content side of our church. And so I, I'm involved with social media and graphics and brand management and any kind of content that we do. And I get like people all the time are like, I could help you with graphics. I'm like, okay, like, what do you know about graphics? I don't know, but I could figure it out. I know I could scan it in to something, you know, and you're like, well, that's, you know, that's awesome that you want to. Um, It's just not actually helpful. And we need people who actually have skills, right? (laughs) I think one of the beautiful things about being part of the church today, though, is that we do have so much available at our fingertips to help people learn. And I think as leaders who are trying to raise up other leaders, being able to point them to those places where, hey, you can learn how to do this. Here's the churches to follow. Here's the people to ask questions to. Here's the resources. ARC has a wealth of information to give them to as we're trying to help people learn so that they can actually be equipped to do what it is that God's called them to do. Um, And we had this great couple um, join our our youth ministry team, and they just had a, a big heart for Um, connecting with youth and raising up real disciples inside of the youth ministry. Like, you know, lots of people are excited about different areas of the youth ministry. What we really want to do is we want to provide really great content so that our young people are asking good questions and they're also getting a foundational understanding of the way that they look um, at the world, at their own Christianity, at the Bible. We we want the, the depth inside of them. And so I began working with them on developing small group curriculum for our youths, our student small groups. And at first they had no idea what they're doing. They're just like, you know, we're just trying. But they came in going like, hey, give me every book that you have on the subject. Show me every person that I can email and I can talk to. I just want to learn inside of this space so I can grow. And I've been watching them over this period of time really develop some skills in this area of of writing really great content for the rest of our small group leaders so that they can lead conversations with our youth um, that are helping our our young people grow inside of that place. So um, as we began to identify these five things, like, okay, here's what we're looking for. Now we know. This is... Okay, I'll do the five things. Actually, they're right here. Perfect. Um, Takes initiative. We want leaders who take initiative. They're a team builder. They're a problem solver. They take responsibility and they're a self-motivated learner. These are the five things we said. If, if somebody does these five things, we know we have somebody who's a missionary. They're not just a mercenary. So now we've got to develop the system. How do we help them get there? 
In order to do that, we had to look at everybody who's doing something inside of our dream team area and kind of have like a little scoreboard. Now, this isn't something we're publishing right for everyone else, but we do have to understand where they're at in order to lead them to where it is that God's called them to go. So we have to look at our teams and we sat down with our directional leadership team and said, like, on your team, what are what are the places that your team's needs to grow in what are they doing great at what is it that's missing from the list and we kind of developed a spreadsheet scoreboard i think that you know the people that i have leading ushers they have like these three they're missing these two i think they are have these two they're missing these other ones so they begin to understand here's the people i have in leadership positions and here's here's what they need to grow in and then we began to set like okay so here's where we want to go and, so, and we began, we had like a definitive in this much time. So for us, it's a year. In one year, we want to take, we have this many owners right now, people that would have all five of these characteristics filling some kind of box inside of our org chart, leading teams. Here's how many we want in one year's time. So now we have a goal that we're actually going to, we know the journey that we need to be on, that we need to go through inside of our team. And it has to be realistic. It has to be challenging, but it has to be realistic. We have to know where we are, and then we have to know where it is that we're going. And then Danny's going to talk about then the how are we doing that, what's been the journey and the process for how we're going to turn those people into leaders. So did, what she said makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Any questions on that? So I would say that this is where so many churches struggle is they kind of look at, I want to be there, we want to be better, but we have no plan how to move from here to there. And there's nothing really super special about our five. Uh, it was just one meeting where we got together and we brainstormed what would it look like. We you know, asked all of our department leaders, what would it look like for somebody to just be an owner, see like you see, care like you care, build what you build. And then we came up with these five, we just put it in a grid, and then we ranked every single one of the dream team. Are they a two out of five? Are they a three out of five? And now the whole goal is move them up the scale. Let's make a two, a three, let's make a three, a four, let's make a four or five. And then at the end of one year, man, could we have this number of owners instead of this and just a simple strategic plan. So now we're just going to unpack and we'll go back and forth on what are we doing to move the needle? Like how do we take somebody from a two to a five or a four to a five? And so we'll just share uh, five quick ideas with you. We'll do some Q and a and our conference will be over. It'll be amazing. Um, (laughs) How are we creating vision ownership? So number one, uh, clarify your vision, clarify your vision. And if you've, Listen to any of Pastor Chris's grow stuff. If you've been to the grow conference, he always tells stories like this. Um, But I would encourage you to actually do this in your church. Sit down with your team and ask them to describe the win. So for example, on a Sunday morning, how do we know when we've done it? What is it? Put it in a football analogy. If we're moving the football down the field... Where's the end zone? Like, how do I know when the ball has crossed the line? What is it that we are trying to do? And then go around and just say, describe it, describe it. What is it? What is it? What is it? And what will happen in your church, guaranteed, is you'll go, when man, when God is just here and we just feel him, and someone else will go, when lost people get saved, and the next people go, well, it's not about lost people, it's about discipleship, and we're not just doing conversions, we're doing, you know... 
discipleship, and the next person will go, like, I just think this is all about community. And Jesus said, they'll know we're Christians, but we love each other. And, like, you'll just, like, you'll just hear everything under the sun come out of your people. Yeah. And then somebody, usually it's a quiet introvert, will raise their hand and go, don't we have, like, a mission statement? And you're like, yes! But they, like, mission statements, vision statements, they become something that's in a drawer somewhere, something that they went through in a growth track and forgot about. And it's so important if you can just reframe that language up. How do you know when we've done it? How do you know when we've scored the touchdown? And then have them wrestle with it and then go, okay, this is what we're doing at our church. And this is how we do it. Um, as As the team becomes aligned, they become powerful. And it's the only way. Can you put those five up for me again, Kyle? Thanks, man. The last five. Yeah. The only way they're going to do these things is if they can clearly see it. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I don't see it, there's no way I'm going to take initiative. I'm never going to build a team around it. I can't really solve problems that well with it. Um, I, I can't go out and learn about, like, if I don't know this is exactly what you want yeah. then I'm never going to do it. Um, and then ask yourself, not just on a big mission statement level, but down to how we lead worship, how we do first impressions. This is what we mean when we talk about cleaning the children's ministries, toys for the next service. Like what exactly are you asking them to do? Because what we've found in church planning, and I think lots of churches stay in this space for a long time, is all of those answers live in people, not on paper. And if they live in a person, like the person that oversees, you know, your preschool, if all of the standards and all of exactly what you want to have happen, if it lives in them, what happens when they get burnt out and leave the church? Yeah. What happens when they just need a break from preschool for a while, so they hand it over, then your whole ministry all of a sudden like takes a whole different turn. And uh, I, I would just write this, this phrase down, that an undocumented standard just leaves people chasing your opinion. So you got to write down, and man, this is like, for us, it's been a brutal process. Maybe for you guys, this won't be very hard, but man, getting our team to do job descriptions and checklists on paper, this is exactly what it looks like to set up the stage. This is exactly what it looks like. The pipe and drape goes here. We don't use the 12 foot one. We use the eight foot one. Like if you get it down on paper, then people can do it with excellence and they can rise to your expectation. If it's fuzzy out there and you just kind of think, well, people would know. Can't they take initiative and figure it out? Like they need to know exactly what you're asking them to do. And a lot of times the problem is us as the leader. Whether you're a lead pastor, children's pastor, whatever team you're on or you lead, the problem is you're still trying to figure it out. And so I would encourage you in the next little while, block out some time on your calendar to sit down and clearly write out, this is exactly my expectations for the area that I lead in detail. Um, One of the things that we have really loved is we're using a tool called Trained Up. How many of you guys have heard of Trained Up before? Trained Up is a video training platform that you can use um, it, it costs a little bit of money every month and there's this fairly new organization. So they're getting better. They're improving as, as they go along, but it's just a video training platform. And so 
Um, for us, we document it on paper and we upload that to the trained up site, but we also shoot videos uh, so they can see it. This is exactly how the children's ministry space should look. Like look at it in the video. Now go ahead and follow up on that. Or this is exactly what it looks like to do vocal warm-ups. Kyle is our worship pastor over here running media. And uh, we want every single worship team member to show up to worship practice already having warmed up their voice. Here's the video that explains exactly the warm-ups that we want you to do. So you don't get there and go like, oh, I was never in choir. No one ever taught me. Nope, like we've given it to you. It's on the video. It's free on your phone. Go and do it. Um, So whether it's video for you, which sometimes is easier than typing it all out, uh, but whatever it is, make sure you get a standard down on paper. Otherwise, you'll get people just taking crazy stabs at stuff. Yeah. Yes, sir. Did you say that, where was it, Trained Up? It's called Trained Up. Yep. Church, I think, is their website. Um, Recently, we had a guy, and he was so fired up about this idea of taking initiative that one Sunday, he showed up, and he rolls up to the church on a Sunday morning and backs his trailer up, and he brought his barbecue from home, and he starts cooking (laughs) hot dogs in front of the church. And there was kind of a big kids ministry event going on at the same time. And our communication wasn't like super clear. I think we were coming back for vacation. And so we were a little off. Uh, But this guy, I thought he was with kids ministry. Kids ministry thought that I had made a decision. Like everything just, and all of a sudden someone's like, so who told this guy he could do this? And we're like, did you tell him? No, no. (laughs) So finally, like, and, and we had to just like, okay, bro, like, thank you for your generosity. That is so awesome. But today's not hot dog Sunday. And it turned out that, you know, our church usually has 600 people. He had 100 hot dogs. So there's going to be 500 hungry people. And I was like, pack it all up and put it away. And like, let's talk about it. And he was so frustrated because he was trying to take initiative, but there wasn't clarity of vision. Yeah. And so I just said, okay, so this is exactly when that would happen. Here's some ways that you can do your hot dog ministry. It's going to be awesome, man. Like youth is going to do a party next week. That's for you. Um, But they'll just, they'll get fired up and just try things. And then you'll shut them down because it's not what you're trying to do. And uh, the the more that you clarify, 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 the more that you'll watch them rise up and be successful in what you're calling to do and be owners. So that's the first one. Clarify your vision. The second one is you got to decide that you exist to empower people. I think it's really easy. You know, you just want to get it to the place where it looks good and it comes off sharp. And we got to remember that we're in a long game. We're not here just to try to make something that like is Instagram worthy, is going to impress other ministry friends that everybody else is going to look at and go like, oh, you're doing so great. We're here to raise up leaders for the next generation (laughs) is we only have a short time here on earth and it's going to really matter what we do with our time and our energy in order to impact the next generation. And so we're here not just to try to create something that's awesome today. We're raising up the future generation. And in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it says, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. That's our job. Our job is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. And it's honestly, it's a little bit messier, right? Because if you just did it, it's going to look the way that you want it to look, right? If you gather just the few people that you know, they carry your heart and your spirit, they're going to like pull off something that's awesome. If you start pulling people up from the benches and you start empowering them and giving them the ability to choose, it gets 
messy. Yeah. Somebody's going to make a call that you're like, uh, that is not at all what it is that I wanted you to do. That's not how we do it. That's not what things look like. It's just messier, but we have to be in it for the long term. So we have to have a conviction that we're going to empower people. We're going to raise up leaders inside of our ministry. We're going to influence our city. We're going to influence our region. We're going to actually have a bigger difference than just making something that looks awesome today. We have the end goal in mind. Chris Hodges, he, he says this all the time. He says, if I catch you doing ministry, I'll fire you to all of those people that are on his staff, right? Is your job isn't to do the work. Your job is to raise up the people to yeah. do the work. Yeah. Yeah. Your job is to gather the team. Your job is to equip them. Your job is to help them do what it is that God's called them to do. This is all about them. It's not just about us and our great ministry. And I think we can really get into this place as a church um, where we feel like we're the hero. And you hear this, like, especially when you get into like the marketing world and they talk about, you know, the way that we communicate with people is like, hey, you should come check us out because we're awesome. You know, like we have it all together. We have all the answers. We have such great kids ministry. Look at us. Look at us. Look at us. And we have to change the way that we're communicating to where it's not we're awesome. You're awesome. You just don't know it yet, but we're going to help you get there. God's called you. God has something he wants you to do with your life. And our job, we're like Yoda, right? With Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know what he has inside of him. And the little weird green guy gets to like come alongside of him and like, Come on, Yoda, you can like be awesome. And that's who we are with our teams. We're seeing the potential inside of them. And then we're doing the messy work of mining it out, really helping them step into it. And it goes to, you know, back to the hierarchy of needs. And you probably heard this, you know, being a a church leader, being inside a ministry, is that we have all these, these needs that, you know, supposedly we need in order to be fulfilled in life. And, and when we look at the like highest need is, is we got to do something that actually is meaningful, that's making a difference. And when we're a part of something like that, it just satisfies us in a way that nothing else can. And it's been amazing watching the people on our dream team, man. We we come to every once in a while, I like have a conversation with somebody, and they're a part of like a, a career that they're making a lot of money. What they do Monday through Friday, they're a big deal. And when they come on a weekend, what they're doing inside of our church is they're out parking cars. And, and they love it. I sit there and listen to them and say, like, every day I go to work for a paycheck, here I feel like I actually am coming alive to what it is that God's called me to do. Because I'm having conversations with people that's making a difference for eternity. And, and we forget that. I think sometimes as church leaders, you feel like you're asking people, like, oh, I'm asking so much of you. Like, you're, you're so important. You have so much going on in your life. You have so much that you're doing. And we feel kind of guilty for asking them to be involved in the dream team, for asking them to take on more leadership. And we have to remember that we're helping them step into what God's called them to do so that they can find meaning in life. They can feel like, man, on the other side of what I'm doing, I'm actually contributing to something that's making a difference in eternity. Um, and as we do that, man, then we watch people that like outpace us, you know, and we got to, we got to already settle in my heart. I'm raising up people that are going to do what I do better than I'm doing it. That's, that's my whole goal, right? Like, as I've started working on the content side of it, I work with the, the youth team planning out their sermon series and their small group curriculum. 
And this just this last time I'm sitting down with these young leaders and they have such a great idea for the next sermon series. They come to me with the graphic and the whole concept and the title. And I was like, wow, I kind of want to steal that, you know, (laughs) this is so good. And I got to just like, let them run with it. You know, like there's this, there's this thing inside of all of us that like, man, I kind of want you to serve maybe where it is God's called me to go what God's called me to do. And I just got to keep coming back to this conviction. I'm here to empower the next generation. I'm here to raise up leaders that are going to go further. They're going to do more than I ever get to do. And that's, that's such an honor. That's honestly a privilege to be able to do. So here's on a practical level, what we've decided just as a directional leadership team, that's our, our core team, our core team. That's like over all the other teams is we just made this practical choice we're going to make sure that at least 20% of the hours that we give to church ministry, they're leadership development hours. So however many hours it is, 20% of them is developing leaders. Whether that's coming up with systems, whether that's writing job descriptions, whether that's one-on-one conversations, whether that's recruiting people into the positions, whether that's casting vision, whatever it is, there's 20% of the time that we give every single week. We're carving it out, setting it in stone. We're holding each other accountable. We're developing leaders inside this time. If we don't do that, we find ourselves just like living in the tornado, the hurricane, the whirlwind of all the activities and demands and like people wanting meetings and people wanting us to do this responding to crises so we have to carve out that time we're not just gonna like demand or respond to all the hustle we're actually gonna raise up leaders and our our whole goal is how far down into the organization how far down into the church can we get decision making to occur how can we give away responsibility and empower people you're up awesome number three how are we moving the needle with owners number three is create a winnable game create a winnable game because leaders like to win. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but if I'm going to play, like I want to keep score and play to win. Uh, my kids uh, played football up until now. They kind of transitioned to basketball for their passion. But um, I, is anybody else like me? Are you like the crazy parent on the sideline that <laughs> believes that you should yell at the refs because that's what God created them for? <laughs> God created referees to be yelled at. I think it's somewhere in scripture. I'm like, I'm like so into what's happening on the field. And uh, so my kids, they play upwards Christian football and I'm just like, go, you know, like go nuts. And, and it's exciting and it's, it's fun. And then once, one Saturday or whatever, they, their scoreboards broke. And all of a sudden Instagram was way more interesting than my kids football game. Like I, I was totally into it. And then as soon as the scoreboard comes down, it's like, this football game is taking forever what's even going on is my kid in the game i don't know (laughs) you know like because when you put a scoreboard in front of somebody that's competitive that brings this motivation up inside yeah Yeah. Yeah. and for you you're recruiting leaders you're not you're not just having people fill roles we're not talking about people that just are volunteers we're talking about people that own it and are improving it and taking initiative and solving problems and so those kind of people they need to understand am i winning or am i losing yeah yeah so we stop the first point was you got to clarify where the win is but then secondly is there a scoreboard anywhere in your organization where they can tell whether they're winning or whether they're losing and you got to start asking the question like how do they score? Um, status quo just doesn't motivate anybody. Uh, I play racquetball in the mornings, 
And whenever we start playing racquetball, you know, my swings are long and slow and just like blah. And then all of a sudden when we start keeping score, it's like, like the line comes out, you know? (laughs) So status quo, just going through the motions is boring. No one cares about that. As soon as I know that there's a score that I'm keeping, all of a sudden you get my best. And I think most church teams, they have no idea whether they're winning or losing. I'm just showing up to watch a kid. Like, is the goal that they don't cry? Because that seems impossible. I don't know. Did I do good? The only way I know if I did good is if my pastor says, we really appreciate you. Thank you. Okay, I guess it was a win today. Like, I have no idea whether I win or lost in children's ministry. Yeah. Same with ushers. Same with greeters. Same with parking team. Same with worship team. You know, well, you guys were really in the flow today. That was awesome. Okay. Did the pastor, like, eat too much last night or, like, not? Like, everything seems so subjective in church world. Yeah. So I would challenge you, drill down with your teams, with your departments, and get down and ask yourself the question, how do we know if we won? What are we shooting for in our area? How do we score? What does that look like for every single team? And give people an opportunity to speak into this. So gather the team together and and ask them. They're really smart. The people that serve on your teams, they're very smart. What does it look like when we win? If there was the perfect day on the greeting team, what would that look like? You know, and just let them speak into it. Don't just show up with a scoreboard one day and go like, this is what we're doing. Like, let them own it and engage in it. Um, This is a, a thing we say at Sun City all the time is that leaders won't buy in unless they weigh in. Leaders won't buy in unless they weigh in. I think it's a Dave Ramsey quote originally. Leaders won't buy in unless they weigh in. So as soon as they get to contribute to what the scoreboard should be, all of a sudden they're interested in playing in the game. And then actually create the scoreboard. Like where do we keep that? We went to a a guy's church recently and uh, in every single children's ministry classrooms, they have these little signs up on the wall that's showing on the signs um, here's how many people got saved in our services. Here amount of people that were in our growth track. Here's the numbers from last week to this week. Here's the attendance and where it's going. And I thought that's so brilliant that there's a scoreboard engaging all of these children's ministry workers, not only in what they're doing, but what's happening at a larger level for yeah. the organization because it's connecting the dots. Hey, that time that you took care of that infant for you know, an hour and she fussed a little bit and maybe she spit up on you and you had to go home and change your clothes. All of that was attached to someone's eternity being changed yeah, forever. Right. Yeah. That's so important. Yeah. Otherwise, they're just kind of struggling through serving. So are we winning or losing? What's the score? Um, how long are we playing this game? When does it get over? Um, if you change the scoreboard too often, people get frustrated and give up. Um, is it in front of our eyes on a regular basis? So this can look a whole lot of different ways depending on what you're focusing on in your team. Um, like right now, I know Kyle's, Kyle's big thing that they're working on for the worship team is their goal is to double the team. One year, we're going to recruit twice as many people as we have on the team, and there's a consistent scoreboard where they're able to look at that. and So where are we at? Yeah. How are we doing recruiting singers and guitar players and drummers and video people and sound men? You know, it, it's just very practical in front of everybody's eyes. So that's the third one, create a winnable game. Fourth one, you got to develop rhythms then of accountability. So otherwise you have like this 
moment of inspiration. You know, you have a whole plan, you like start out on it. And then like so many things that we've done over the course of our life, it's like a new year's resolution that you start out strong and then you forget that you ever even started it. Right. It just falls to the wayside. So you have to have some kind of rhythm of accountability. How am I going to check in? How am I going to check in with teams? How am I going to check in with leaders? Um, We have to have agendas where we're like looking at Evernote. Hey, last time we talked about this, how's that going? We do that through Evernote, which is one of the systems that we use where we're like capturing stuff that we talked about, stuff that we said that we would do, stuff that somebody said that, that they would do so that the next time we sit down with them, it's not just like, so how's it going? We actually have an agenda where we're checking in on what it is that we talked about last time. Where are we at with the goals that we have? Um, why are we there? What are the obstacles that we're facing? And um, what are the things that you need help with? As leaders, how can we help move whatever's in your way? Um, that's important for us to be able to sit down and ask, not just to like, Hey guys, you should do this, cast a bunch of vision and disappear from the picture. We got to sit down and go like, Hey, how do we help you? What are we going to do to fix it? We don't want to just have this culture where people, you know, something happens, something breaks, something falls apart. And they're like, Oh man, sorry that happened. And then we don't create a system to fix it. Because we're always going to have something that goes wrong, something that we didn't really see coming that takes place, but now what do we do about it next time? Like one of the things when we we got a building, all of a sudden we're on this main street. We have a lot of homeless people that are wandering into our building all hours of the day. We have one Sunday where a homeless guy walks in and just begins taking off his clothes in the lobby. Like that happens one time and we're like, okay, weird, right? We have to then create a system so it doesn't happen a second time, right? So now we got to like go like, what are we going to do to solve this problem? We need a security person that's out here in the lobby making sure everybody keeps their clothes on. You know, that's important. (laughs) We got to have a system. Um, A week is a natural rhythm for that. We're just built that way. If you try to build it out into like, well, every two weeks, it's easy to forget about it. Even with our own team, man, every once in a while, like this week, we're here, we're down here at ARC. A lot of our team is here with us. We're missing our, our weekly meeting. It's so hard when we get together next week to remember, what did we talk about two weeks ago? One week is a perfect rhythm of accountability to just check in. Hey, how's it going? Where are we at inside of that? It's a natural rhythm that I think goes clear back to Genesis and how God designed this as people to function on a seven-day system. Um, We have to get good at then inserting vision into everything that we do. Here's why we're doing what we're doing. So we're not just like holding people to standards. It doesn't become this burden. It becomes passionate. It becomes a lot of momentum. Um, It becomes exciting to be a part of because we're not just like, um, you know, walking through a checklist. We're a part of the church. We're a part of the kingdom of God that's advancing here in the 21st century. People's lives are being changed every single week, so we have to keep talking about the why behind the what yeah. to keep it invigorating. Um, and then follow up practic- practically with how we're going to accomplish it. Um, our job as leaders is we connect the dream to reality. So we're helping people dream big dreams, but then we're connecting it with reality, and we're bringing those two things together and marrying them. So we're just working this, right? We're clarifying the the vision. We're making sure we're empowering people. We're creating that winnable game with a scoreboard so we can know if we're winning or losing. And then we're checking in. We're like, are we winning? Are we losing? How's it going? What's happening? And the last thing, and I won't teach it too long so we do some Q&A, is that we make sure and monitor the spirit of the team. Like, is everyone encouraged? Is everyone appreciative? Um, How are we doing? We pastor it. This isn't just 
results-oriented, task-driven. You know, this is all about people. And uh, there's a whole bunch of ways that we do that, but I don't want to take too much time. You guys are creative. You could get into a small group and talk about all the different ways you can keep people encouraged. But I would put a lot of money and thought into making sure that the team stays happy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, For us, it's just like core team culture. We show up happy. We serve happy. We have joy. Um, so that's it. As we, as we do these things, what we're watching over time is all of a sudden people that were just kind of doing in the job rise up and their owners and all of a sudden they're leading teams or developing teams. They're launching small groups, ministries happening that was far outside of our vision. We never had a plan for taking care of people that had gone through abortions and doing post-abortive counseling, but someone had that vision and now they're owning it and we've got this whole small group going that direction. It's, it's just amazing all the ways that God is using the church as people feel empowered and supported yeah. and the vision's coming to pass. Yeah. What questions do you guys have? We just have a few minutes to do some Q&A before we take off. And thank you guys for this is perfect for where we're at as a church. So thank you guys for sharing this. Awesome, uh, no problem. I yeah. really appreciate it. Um, my question was uh, kind of, you guys said you have a team of 260 dream teamers. Correct. With uh, about 600 people in attendance. That's like a huge dream team. Yeah. Uh, what is your assimilation process from the growth track to the dream team? And how do you like uh, make, not make sure, but... Uh, you're effectively getting people from the growth track to the dream team. So what does that look like for you guys? Yeah. I mean, for us, assimilation really is the, the growth track. We do a little bit of a, a different model than um, Highlands or a lot of the ARC churches would do with the four steps. We we added a fifth step in the middle, and we cut a couple of our steps, and we made them online. So there's some of ours that are very simple and fast. But um, what we do is we have a member of our team sit down with every single person that's going through and do a one-on-one to make sure we're really connecting them to the very best fit in the church. Uh, What we found is that sometimes if someone's hurt, like if they're coming from another church and they're a burned Christian, we don't really do them very much service to fast track them onto the dream team because they're like, whoa, you just want to use me like my last pastor used me and I don't trust you. Okay, so you need to get into a freedom small group. We need to build some relationship. So let's help you get there. Or if someone's like for us, very common that this is their first church experience ever. And just because we get them ushering, that's good. But you need basic discipleship. Here's why the resurrection matters. Yeah. Here's why we trust the Bible. You know, like here's where we start. And if I don't, if I get them ushering without giving them that, the devil gets them about six weeks down the road and all of a sudden they're out somewhere else, you know? So we're trying to make sure we get people to the places that matter. And what we found um, is to try to create the smallest environments that we can for growth track to get people exactly where they need to go. So that's been a huge win for us in this last year. Um, and we're crazy about follow up on it. Yeah. It's text and call and, hey, we're so glad you came to the first step. Here's when the next one is. Did that email come through? Yep. Did you get it? Like we, we've, the guy that we have overseeing growth track, he's not just waiting for people to show up to classes. Like he is pastoring and shepherding people through that pipeline. And I would tell you, if you can get people to think of that pastorally and not just as a system that runs itself, you, it'll be a game changer. Other questions? Uh, you talked about clarifying the vision and documenting the standard. How uh, specific does that document need to be? So, for example, uh, because you could just keep going and going and going and you find yourself in this big ocean of, yeah, I gave you the plate, I gave you the silverware. Do I have to tell you to pick up the silverware with your thumb and your forefinger? Like how? Yeah. Yeah, there's a point where it gets ridiculous, obviously. Uh, The big secret on this is 
pushing it down to the team leaders to do actually create. So what we don't do is as the lead pastors sit down and try to make a job description for every single leg of the organization, we find our very best greeter and say, man, when you are on your A game, 110%, what does greeting look like? Will you make a job description that everyone else could follow after? And then we do that with the coffee person. And then we do that with the singer. And then we yeah. do that with the sound person. And because I don't know what the right, you know, and it's different for a greeter in terms of detail than it is for the sound tech. Like that, that's a whole course that we paid to have, you know, from someone else made it, you know what I'm saying? So it's a, that's kind of a broad answer, but we try to get as detailed as we can. Um, if you, if you're not detailed enough, they'll, they'll get it, they'll get it wrong. They'll have questions. Um, but yeah, there's a certain point that's like, okay, we all, we all know how to do that. Yeah. What other questions you guys have? Any more? In the back. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, just started this year, and it's been one of the best practices we did when we adopted this plan, is we started having team night. So we gather the entire team once a month, the fourth Sunday of every month. We call it team night. Um, We do it from 6 to 7.30. We rotate from... Um, we'll do a little bit longer worship because this is like we're not, you know, doing Sunday morning where we're worried about unchurched people. This is family. These are all the people that are serving. They've bought in. So we do a little bit longer worship. We do communion with them. And then we'll rotate from having, you know, one of us speak or a guest speaker come in and speak on leadership and growth to then the next month we'll break out into teams. So then the worship team all gets together and they have relevant conversations that are a part of of what's going on in their department in their area. At 7.30 then, and we try to make it just fun, trying to have a culture where we love being together. So we have an events team that puts together like really fun food. Like this last, we just had a team night this last week and they did nachos in a bag. So they got like a bunch of like little Dorito bags and they put together a nacho bar. So people got these little nacho bags, made their like, you know, things inside of it and they had special dessert I can't even pronounce I don't know it was something that they like you know spent a lot of time making so then at 7 30 they're free to like leave if they want or hang out we have like the whole lobby is set up with like tables and food and they can just meet people on their team have fun enjoy each other so it creates this really great environment where it's like hey we're all about helping empower you as a leader but we're also having a lot of fun and building really great relationships so we just started that this year it's been one of the very best things that we've done what night is that again? We do it the fourth Sunday of every month. Fourth Sunday of every month. Yep. So and we let anybody. Yeah. We, we do it. At, we do it at night. Yeah. yeah, we don't do a night service. So we do. We do morning services. So we do it from six to seven thirty at night. It would um, work on different. Nights, yeah, you could yeah. do a different night, but that's that's what we do. We open it up so if people like we add, we would say it inside of our morning services. Hey, tonight's team night. If you'd like to be on the team, you should go to Next Steps. That's what we call our growth track. We'll help you get on a team. So it's not like we're trying to make something exclusive. We're opening that up so people are joining even the dream team because they want to be a part of it. And Absolutely. So if anybody wanted to come, if they're not serving on a team, like we make it clear, this is team night, so it's all the all the teams that are serving. But hey, if you're not on a team, come check it out. Join a team at team night. And somebody's going to recruit you if you're wandering around the hall. So. Yeah, what we do inside of that is we actually let our elementary, we have a big culture of getting our students, our junior high and high schooler students involved in serving. So they come in and they're a part of the first part of it. We do have child care for preschool and under during the entire thing. And then we have something for the kids afterwards. Hey, guys, it's 4 o'clock. I want to lecture and let you go. We'll hang out and answer questions if you want. God bless you. Thanks so much for coming to our conference. We love you.